Pedophiles, 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 convicted sex offenders and pedophiles. Let's check the list of the sex offenders and pedophiles next to the University of Idaho murders, shall we? I'm your host, Jerry Adams. You're listening to Midnight Radio. We're going to continue our coverage of the University of Idaho murders today. If you have a comment or a question, give me that phone number. It is 325-261-0892. Feel free to leave a comment where you hear the podcast, or you can do that on YouTube, 325-261-0892. You can leave a voicemail up to three minutes. And I'm also going to go over your... I'm going to go over your um, comments today. Matter of fact, let me go ahead and do that. Let me pull that up for you. Because somebody made a good point. I feel it was a good point. We'll see what you see what you think. And they said, Jerry, don't you ask for tips. You tell them to call the police. And I thought, what? I didn't ask for tips. So let me look that up. Go over some of these comments with you. I want to be I want to be accurate in my reporting as always. And then we're going to go over to the pedophiles and the sex criminals. And here we go. I have a hard time believing the guy sounds familiar. All right, go into the comments section. Yep, that's what they said. They said, don't ask for tips. The tips should go to the police. Uh, okay, so let's get this straight before I even start talking about this anymore. I don't want your tips. I never asked for tips. I don't want your tips. I do think public discourse is very important. And matter of fact, the police are getting a lot of information from you guys who go around talking about this. Matter of fact, we're going to go over that today. They had no idea that uh, Kylie Goncalves had a stalker. That came from people like you on the internet, okay? And they said, as bad as it is, because these ladies were heavy in social media, at least all these wild speculations and accusations, but we're getting a lot of information from it. It's okay. I don't want your tips. I want your W-A-S. W-A-S, wild-ass speculations. That's what I want. Now, there's no time on this broadcast that you're going to hear me say, this is how it is, this is who it is. Go after him. I'm a writer, I'm an investigator, I'm a researcher, and it ain't over till it's over. And you're not going to hear me say that. You are going to hear me talk about the different elements that come up. And the reason why you're not going to hear me start pointing fingers and say, it has to be this guy, it has to be that guy, look at this. This is who I think it is. You're not going to hear that. Because we don't know a tenth of what the police know right now. And it would just be foolish and stupid. Now, there are things I'm going to go into that are on the wilder side. But, again, it's not me saying this is exactly who it is. Go get them, guys. You're not going to hear me say that. Now, something weird did happen to me the other day. And I said it before. I'll say it again. I was sitting there thinking about this case. I think I even prayed. I believe I even prayed about it. 
I was sitting there looking at the wall. My mind was pretty clear, and I got like a vision and um, almost like a flashback, you know, because I'm a I'm a war vet, and I've gotten flashbacks a couple times, all right, guys? So I know what it's like. I know what a vision is. I know what reality is. And, and a vision is something that just, or a flashback, is something that just pops in there. And that was what it was like. It was very real, although I know it wasn't actually happening, but it was real to me, you know. I was sitting there, I saw the face of this boy. He was about 10, about 10 years old, and he had hair, brown hair, dark brown hair, chestnut hair, shaped like a bowl cut, you know, kind of like a bowl. And he had really, really red, ruddy cheeks. And he was 10 years old. And something in my head said, or I got the impression, I didn't really hear a voice or anything, that this was a killer. And that... He had a brother, or has a brother, or had a brother, one of the two. And uh, it was his brother's knife. And this is all I really remember. I think I might uh, remember something about he worked in the area or something like that. I'm not sure. I can't remember that. But his face, I'll never forget. Um, I'm not saying this is true. I am not claiming to be psychic. And the only reason I'm telling you this is because something like this happening to me is such an anomaly. Another anomaly, the next day, about 4 a.m., I was contacted by somebody. Again, I don't ask for tips. And this this wasn't a tip. This was just somebody discussing, you know, something that they, they saw in the case. And they led me to, what's her name, what's her name? The psychic Reverend Donna Serafin. Serafina. Sorry, Serafina. They led me to her. So I watched that and she made some very specific. She has some very specific details. And um, there's an article that I'm writing right now. I'm in the process of writing. It'll be up by tonight. On midnightrad.io, again, I'm a writer, and that's what I do. And this is going to have a timeline of all the information that's been covered so far here in other places, including some of the WAS, WATs, the WAT and the WAS, wild-ass speculations and wild-ass theories. On there, this this going to go through the timeline of some of those wild-ass theories. I would consider it would be the psychic. And she did a reading on this case, and um, let's go into some of the details that I find real interesting. And when we come to the end of this, and they actually catch the person, and I'm confident that they will. I'm confident they will. Um, it, it, you can't get a DNA reading overnight, and that's what they're doing. They're getting DNA right now. They're getting that sequenced, and then they have to run through the database. And it, if, is, if it is one of these, these sex offenders that I'm about to talk about, then they're going to catch them because they already have their DNA. Uh, as far as we know, none of these men have ran off or the police would surely tell the public. But I don't know if they know that it's closing in. And I'm not even saying that these convicted sex offenders are guilty or not, but I will show them to you. But she talked about the guy's hair. She talked about the way he looked. She said something interesting that he had a brother or a twin. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know, one of the the poor victims, one of the victims, the male victim, he was a triplet. So 
I don't know if she was thinking about him and getting it mixed up. I don't know how these psychic readings work. Another thing that she said, actually, we're going to go into more that she said here in a minute. But the thing she said sounded similar to, to what I saw, though I saw whoever this was at 10 years old, and I don't know why. Maybe something happened to this person that changed their life at 10 years old. I don't know. But let's go ahead and look at these offenders because they're offensive. Okay. So if you see that guy in the middle there, Kalen Zakow, that is the boy grown up. And I, I'm not saying it's exactly him, but I'm saying it favors him a lot. I can't say it's exactly him. But I'm curious to know, does he have a twin brother? Does he have an older brother? Does he have a brother that did attend college there and uh, went to the ROTC and got a knife, a K-bar knife? Did this guy drop out of college? And she also said something about a redheaded man, and there's a redheaded man too, also a sex offender. Were more than one people involved? Were these people working together? I don't think so, but I don't know. But when I saw this article pop up, and it originally came from Radar Online, when I saw this pop up, I thought, wow. That looks like the boy I saw growing up so much. Let me read out what these guys did. According to Radar Online, three convicted sex offenders reside in the vicinity of the house where the gruesome stabbings took place. The killing of roommates Kylie Goncalvez, 21, Madison Mogan, and Xana Carnoodle, and her boyfriend Ethan Chapin. Now, Chapin is the one that is a triplet, and uh, we're going to hear from his parents here in a minute. They discovered that one registered sex offender lived across the street from the student's home, right across from it, whereas the other two resided with only walking distance. Now, I do want to say, just because you're a sex offender doesn't make you a murderer. According to the outlet, the list of three includes a 34-year-old Nathan Les- L- Liesel, yeah, Nathan Liesel, living directly across the street. Now, that's the first gentleman we saw. That's Nathan Liesel. And uh, he got arrested for sexual exploitation of a minor on July 31st, 2017. And uh, you can get this information on the sex offender registry family watchdog. I'll go into that too real quick. Real quick, I will. Wherever you live, you can look at this, put in your, your zip code, and you can find out the sex offenders in your area. And surprise, surprise, if you took a slingshot, put a handful of pebbles in it, and shot it in the air, those pebbles go everywhere and land some different roofs close to you, you're probably going to hit a sex offender. Did you know that? I checked my town I lived in. And this is a little town in the badlands of Texas. You'd be surprised how many perverts are out there. You'd be surprised. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to check these registries. Matter of fact, go ahead and pause this right now. And you go to the the sex offender registry family watchdog because you need to know. You need to know. 
And that's why it's there. That's why it's the law. Another part of the law is, and the police are going to heavily be looking at these guys because they want to know if any of the guys left, and they already know that, I'm sure, after the, after the, the murder, because they're supposed to stay in the residence they're at, you know, when they register. Um, also, now, once the heat, once, because here it is, we're unleashing it right now, the sex offenders are now in the, in the, in the uh, conversation, in the social media conversation. So are they going to see this now and they're going to leave? They're going to be watching them. Are we legally, is it legal for me to talk about these gentlemen in this way? Absolutely. One, I'm not the first one to report it. Two, I'm, I'm not saying they did it because I don't know. And three, they're actually convicted. So there's nothing I'm saying here that's not true. It's all public information. Whether they did it or not, I can't tell you. But that guy in the middle, I'm telling you. So let's talk about him. Let's talk about 28-year-old Kane and Tyler Zakow, who lives behind the, the King Road house. And he was charged with communicating with a minor for immoral purposes on April 21st, 2017. That's it. Communicating with a minor for immoral purposes. Now, I don't know if this was a sting. We don't know all the, the details. We don't know. The third on the list is Stephen Cole Hoffman, 30, and he was charged with obscene conduct with a child for immoral purposes. Now, let's look at their ages. So, uh, Stephen Hoffman's 30, and Kanan Zakow is 28. Yeah, he is 28. So, we got 28, 30, 34 of the guys. So, in a row here. We have 34, 28, 30. Okay. What does that mean? Well, these last two people, this dark-haired guy and this red-haired balding guy, they would have known each other more than likely They, they, if they lived there the whole lives. And here's, here's the thing, too. This is interesting about sex offenders. When they get out, they normally live with their parents. And it really limits the kind of places that you can work. But... I think that they might be able to work at a bakery, right? Don't you think so? You think one of those guys, like the the psychic said, you think one of them works at a bakery? Is that possible? I think it might be possible. Do you think one of them has a twin? Maybe. These are things that she said. Okay, so there's also some uh, other information you can look at. So the police are definitely investigating these guys. And they're pulling the records from the cell phones, definitely. So let's look at this. And the psychic was talking about how sexually aroused this this um, murderer became. And let, let's say she's right right now. Until they end and they somebody else is arrested and they have all the evidence... And everything she says is just completely out there and wrong. Because, you know, we're not the police working on this. They, they know more than we are. They know who they're going after. But let's say she's right. Do one of these guys work in a bakery? So she's talking about this guy getting sexually aroused um, in the murder. She said that she, he licked a bloody knife. Uh, he just wanted to take his bloody hands and, uh, yeah, 
please himself. She said these things. So, okay, this guy wasn't too sophisticated, but he he still hasn't gotten caught, right? So there would be certain things that would be involved in him not in co- getting caught. One of the things she said was that he had some places his family would go hunting or some kind of farm or something he, he knew he would go, he went to to change his clothes to get rid of his bloody clothes because he was covered. Now, the police also think this guy would be covered in blood. She also said he had a brother. So these are, these are things we'd look at. All right, so talking about him getting sexually aroused. Let's say he's, he's um, unsophisticated, driven by emotion and lust, so he was sloppy. They said they have a lot of evidence that they're still processing. And they said they got over 100 pieces of evidence saying that Kaylee Goncalves, Goncalves, Kaylee Goncalves had a stalker. And they have over 100 pieces of information about that. We're going to go over that here in a minute. But here's one thing the police could do with these. Um, suspects that they're not telling us they have. Well, you take these registered sex offenders and you're going to have to look at their internet history. All right? So I'm thinking that this murderer was savvy enough not to take his phone with him so he's not going to ping on there, of course. And also, you know, other than his knife that the psychic thinks and uh, the forensic profilers think that he would have kept with him, and who the psychic actually says he buried behind a barn. Other than that, perhaps he took some other souvenirs. But he didn't take his phone, I don't think. But here's what I do think. None of the bodies were sexually molested, although the psychic says he intended to do that to one of them. But she said he did get a sexual thrill from the murders. I'm think. are you thinking what I'm thinking? He would have been really hot and bothered when he got home, don't you think? Ah, he probably pulled up some kind of pornography, don't you think? Uh, maybe he has some kind of Amazon device, maybe a Echo perhaps in his room. Maybe said someone's name when he was pulling up this porn and doing the dirty deed. Let's think about this. So they can look at these sexual offenders like, all right, boys, give me your phone. Oh, the phone is clear. Oh, I don't have a phone. Oh, my phone's broke. I'm not allowed to be on the internet anymore. Oh, you're not. Okay, well. And they can look through the router through the internet companies. You know, the internet has everything you've looked on. So I do think there's something there as far as the modality of investigations that can go into this. And whoever it is is going to be obsessed with Looking at the coverage of this, I do believe they're going to be absolutely obsessed. Now, again, these men I'm putting up on your screen right now, I'm not saying it's any of them. I'm not, but I'm not saying it isn't. These guys are convicted sexual offenders that live in the area, so not an easy thing to be. Maybe they should have thought twice. Of course, nobody does. Maybe somebody seeing this will think twice and never commit anything like that. All right, moving along, I got this piece of information here. Let's go over some of the claims that the psychic made again. We'll talk about it. Okay, now, this this is the headline 
Madison Mogan was a target. Now, I noticed this from the beginning, but I don't remember if I mentioned it or not. Or not. The psychic said Madison Mogan, but she wasn't describing Madison. And there's a psychic. There's a picture right there. She wasn't describing Madison when she was talking about Madison. She was describing Kylie Goncalves, you know, the shorter one the one who weighed a little bit more. Her face was more round. So she was talking about Kylie, but calling her Madison because she didn't know the name. So if you watch that again, you'll notice that she's, she's talking about Kaylee. So I don't know. But what I do know, she said the suspect looks like David Polini, and I, I don't know who that is. So I'm looking I'm looking at this right here and Oh there you are. She said that he was somewhere at the food truck. That's what it says. So again, I'll put a link to her again if you want to listen to that full thing all the way through. And there's some people that swear by her and that's fine. I'm not saying anything against it. I'm just I'm reporting this and we're going to take everything she says to heart and see what happens in the end and we'll see where it goes. There's some people that claim that she had a lot of detailed information and almost to the point that she helped solve the Lori Vallow case because she turned in her info to, to uh, law enforcement. But I mean, I think a fair comparison between this and Lori Vallow case is no matter what they know, it takes evidence and it takes time to process evidence. That case took a long time, but I mean, does it really take a psychic in the end for that to know that the bodies were buried in the backyard? I mean, they assumed it. They brought the cadaver dogs. Boom. There they were. And they dug it up. So speaking about cadaver dogs, Lalani Simon, she was denied bell day before Thanksgiving. And here's another piece of information quickly about that, although I'll go over this probably later. The grandmother was the one that turned her in. So they have that too to help convict her. Now this is chilling. This is, I don't know if it had recently been brought to my attention, but it definitely been brought to my attention and, Cops link between University of Idaho murders and similar organ stabbing. There's also a similar stabbing in Washington. So these places are kind of far away, but you can get off of them. You can get to them through the same highway. So, and this was turned in by people from social media that are into this case or horrified by this case whatever you want to call it. They say they're looking through every avenue, you know. It was an unsolved double stabbing of Travis and Jamelin Judden in Salem, Oregon in August last year. Now, they were both stabbed multiple times. He died, she lived. 
But did you know that it happened exactly at 3 a.m. in the morning? They say that he, Travis, 26, died while trying to fight back and stop the killer's frenzied attack on his 24-year-old wife who survived. He saved her life. They put up a $50,000 reward. That also happened at 3 a.m. in the morning, the same time. And guess what? There's a third. This one's in Washington State. That happened also, Washington State. So, man, you don't, I don't know. It's just a a knife attack, a knife attack. They didn't catch the guy. Do you think this could be the same person? Look at the dates. Let's look at the dates. All right. I told you we would talk more about the stalker. I got a clip here from GMA. Yeah, Michael, good morning. Authorities say they have looked extensively into reports of this possible danger. And as of this morning, they have not been able to identify or verify a stalker. And as this investigation continues, they are pleading with the public for information. In a desperate search for answers, police in Idaho say they've received hundreds of pieces of information regarding one of the murder victims, Kaylee Gonzalez, potentially having a stalker. You hope to provide clarity in the near future in regards to Kaylee potentially having a stalker. Yeah, the, the whole situation, you know, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother dynamic of this investigation. And so that's something obviously that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. But this morning, authorities say they have not been able to verify or identify one. This comes as police receive other tips from the community, like surveillance video, which could help investigators piece together a timeline leading to the gruesome stabbing deaths of Gonsalves, Madison Mogan, Shanna Kernadel, and Ethan Chapin at this off-campus home. But I can show you what you're missing. Another potential lead for detectives, videos like these of the students posted to Kaylee's TikTok. They could help in the investigation. This one showing her, Maddie, and Shanna seen along with their surviving roommates whose faces we've blurred. One of the last videos posted shows Kaylee and Maddie, lifelong best friends. In a case like this, though, where the victims and the survivors were all so active on social media, is that helpful to the investigation to learn about them and their friends and their and their lives? Well, I think it's both helpful and it also just enlarges the investigation overall. Mm-hmm. It just has more people for us to try and contact and try and get information on the, the evening in question and just be able to do a full analysis and review of the case. The restaurant where Shanna and Maddie worked, the Mad Greek, has reopened. Their co-workers left devastated and afraid. It's hard for them to want to come back to work because they don't necessarily feel safe here. They don't know who it was that did this. On campus, state police increasing visibility for the foreseeable future, and the university now saying it will offer remote learning for the rest of the semester, as some students worry about returning after fall break. We're over a week away Mm -hmm. from these murders. At this point, there's really more questions than answers. Mm -hmm. What do you have to say to this community that 
does seem to be on edge right now. Um, so I've been out in the community and I've talked to people. Um, you know, it, as we're getting dinner, as we're getting coffee, we've talked to people, and there's fear in this community. Um, but as well, there's trust in the police department that they know that this work is being done. The community has patience. Other people don't. Well, that's certainly true. And police say that, you know, while people have left town, those that are connected to this case remain very cooperative. And, Michael, they also want to assure everybody that this investigation will continue at a rigorous pace throughout this Thanksgiving holiday. I'm sure it has. And it's continued for all of us here, hasn't it? Um, I, have this, I have this clip. This is an extended interview with Ethan's parents and i think it, it is um it helps you know him better but it helps you know the situation better and perhaps the psychic was getting some things mixed up between ethan and the murder himself so let's check this out can you first just tell me how you guys are doing that's a tough question it's a tough question um it's not something you ever expect to hear ever like the call we took from our kids um, who were there, and you just expect to outlive your kids. Now, I got to break in right here because her kids that are there, the people that are there are his brothers, his two brothers. One of them is actually in the same fraternity as Ethan, and the other one is not in the fraternity, but I believe he's also there in college. So that's what she's talking about. It's honestly, I don't know. We're just trying to process it. It's not a call that you think that you're going to have to speak with the funeral home directors and the FBI and have it hit national news. I mean, I don't, we're more concerned, you know, Ethan was a triplet and that's a big thing. There's a couple of things. Ethan was a triplet and that's the most important thing for us because we have these other two kids that are very impacted by this um, and they need to be lifted up and cared for. Um, and I think the other thing that's important to us is the reason why we've agreed to do this is number one, you're local. And number two, it's important for us to get Ethan's story out. We don't really want anybody else representing him. And it's hard to have people speaking on his behalf. So we think it's best for us to do this. And you did say, of course, that he was a triplet and looking through the pictures he sent, like you said, they seem to be always together i mean they all went do they all go to high school and then college together also yeah. elementary yeah. high school everything college they all went to the same university yeah i mean everything we travel we play we hike we, everything we do is all of us together i mean we're a pretty tight family did you say that they were the ones that called you about this i'm gonna stop it right there and we're gonna go into the next the next item which is very important did you know there, there's a reason why Kaylee Goncalves was in the murder house on that fateful night? See, she wasn't actually supposed to be there, but she got a new car. She was already supposed to be off for the holidays, but she went back to show off her car to her friends. According to Kaylee's mother, she said her daughter, daughter had been home with her family in the days leading up to the incident, but decided to return to Moscow just for a couple nights before moving home for good for the holidays. 
She was just home, her mother, Christy Goncalves, told told Fox of Spokane. She went back and forth all day, long about whether or not she should go back to Moscow. Christy said her daughter finally decided to head back as she was eager to flaunt the new vehicle she'd purchased all on her own. The tragic 21-year-old was looking forward. I don't like that sentence. The tragic 21-year-old was looking forward to graduating in December and even had a job lined up. Her parents noted how she had so much to celebrate with her daughter, even promising to treat them with her own money upon her return. We talked a lot, Christy said. I know she had a fun time Friday night. She called me around 2.30 Saturday morning. Unfortunately, that was the last conversation they had. Yeah, so she went. The reason why she went back was to show her new vehicle. It was a nice one. I can't remember what it was. It was a luxury-type vehicle, though, so I was kind of surprised. There she is. Again, this is what the psychic described. Christy recalled reaching out to her daughter via text late Sunday morning to ask how the evening went. She initially did not worry when she received no response. She said, I look back at the times, and that's when the police were swarming her house. The family was notified by police of their daughter's murder late Sunday afternoon. They're still overwhelmed with grief and several unanswered questions. So, let's look at, so Kylie Goncalves, I remember hearing it reported that they thought that she was the target, that the police reported that she was the target. Did you guys hear that too? Let me know. And also, I want to go into some of your comments right now. Somebody said, Reverend Donna is very good at what she does. I think God gives people certain gifts. I believe in God, but not so much the Bible. She pretty much solved the Lori Vallow case. She knew all the graphic details, which she forwarded to Ellie. The question again was, I'd like to know what you think about the psychic Reverend Donna Serafina. What she said here, do you believe in psychic abilities at all? That was a question. And then somebody put, she did a good job with Tylee. I have a hard time believing in religion because so many things in the Bible are expressly forbidden and deny human rights. I'm open to psychics. I feel like Todd Siegel has a very good read on this case as well. When it comes to psychics, some are fake, some are true sensitive. There's nothing evil about being highly sensitive. I followed her for years, and this is where I get my stark warning. Please don't ask for leads on your channel to be directed to you. If someone has a lead, it needs to go directly to the tip line, which I didn't say send me tips, never did. I felt that that comment was a bit passive-aggressive, but okay. And I put, if I'm not mistaken, I asked for theories. Uh, thank you for watching, though. And 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 here, this this goes on the WAS wild ass speculation realm. I think it's a sugar daddy or only fan stalker. 
The one girl had just got a Range Rover. Okay, it was a Range Rover. That's right. Told her mom she was going to take her out for her birthday and pay for everything. Also, I understand she had a, a backpacking trip across Europe coming up. That stuff isn't free, and to afford that on a waitress wage in a college town? I don't think so. Follow the money. The mom seemed excited that her daughter had a sudden income surge, just something I detected. I know it's not a pleasant thing to bring up, but leave no stone unturned. Andrea said, uh, I believe searching bakeries. I've been searching bakeries. Uh, somebody here put the Jeremy guy on the news doing interviews. And I don't know what that means. These are some of your comments, some of your theories. They're on Midnight Radio on YouTube. So we got more here. Going back into wild theories. Who? Actually, let me go back. Let me show you this. Guy in the hoodie wanted to help. Bar patron has new details about the man who followed Idaho's murder victims. This is one of the comments I had in the comment section where it said, um, what about the guy with the hoodie? So even though the police ruled him out, well, here's about the guy in the hoodie. And you'll see the guy there with the hoodie. Two of the University of Idaho students killed on Sunday, November 13th, were last seen alive around 1.41 a.m. ordering food from a late-night food truck. The video of the event shows a man in a hoodie following Kaylee Goncalves and Madison Mogan as they placed their orders and spoke to the persons there. Mogan and Goncalves had arrived at the Corner Club bar at 11 p.m. and had stayed until 1.30 they then proceeded to grub truckers around 1.40 a.m. and ordered a $10 carbonara, which took around 10 minutes to arrive. When they wait, they can be seen conversing with others who were also waiting with the truck. People have speculated that the man in the hood is Jack Showwater, who was reportedly kicked out of his fraternity recently and might possess the same type of knife used to murder the suspects. That's according to the True Crime Society. Authorities are still looking for the murder weapon. But Joe Vittet, a corner club bar patron who was at the club when Mogan and Goncalves was there that night, has a different theory. Later in the night, Vito happened to be with a neighbor who had just moved to Moscow and was showing her the grub bus where he spotted both the girls again. This was when the guy in the hoodie followed the two girls who would later be stabbed to death. The hoodie guy was one of the key suspicious figures that the police reportedly interviewed. As per the Daily Mail, Vito recalled the events of the night and remembered the hoodie guy. That's when the woman arrived, accompanied by a man in a hoodie, who has been the subject of much speculation among the Internet sleuths as a suspect. Police have not named the man, but said that he is not considered a suspect. I saw the hoodie guy show up with two of them. The vibe I got from him is that he was super nice. He was trying to help them get home safe. He said that the man acted like a dutiful guardian and possibly had amorous intent, but 
He was funny. He was nice. He was there to ensure they got home safely because they were super drunk. I thought he was a solid guy. Believe me when I tell you that his vibe was not bad. Authorities have stated that they have not ruled out the possibility that more than one person was involved in the deaths. The attack was targeted, according to police, and the killer of, or killers used a fixed blade knife. So, and we'll get into that number that you can call. I think it's up here right now. No, I'll get into it, the number that you can call. But that is something I wanted to talk about, is that last part. Let me go back down there and refresh my memory. Well, that possibly that more than one person's attack was targeted. Uh, so I saw an interview with a, a pro, uh, FBI profiler. And I think I said this earlier too, about what things would make the cops think that the prof, that the attack was targeted. Do you guys remember them saying which girl it was targeted to? I thought they said Kaylee Goncalves, but it's, it's the way the killer would have spent extra time with the body, whether there was some extra mutilation or something extra he did in the room. I'm not sure. And it's, it's really gruesome to talk about and think about, but it would have been something more harsh that he did to the body. So perhaps he cut something off. He stopped and cut something off there. I don't know. Or if he would have slashed the face. That would have been a big sign. So, there is that. Again, I don't want your tips. Let me see. Let me look at that. Let me get the Moscow. Um, okay. What is it called? The University of Idaho I'll give you the tip line Okay, pull this up real quick. This is some info about the tip line for you. How you guys doing? Um, <laughs> me, I, it's not real yet. I'm I'm a bit in denial. Mm. Um. I'm hoping for justice. That's why I'm trying to switch myself into that mode to try to find some justice. That's where I'm at. I get it. Steve, Uh, Olivia? Yeah, I just just know my sister. She was a hard worker. And um, just sitting in my bed and crying myself to sleep isn't Mm going to do her any justice. And that's not what she'd want me to do. She'd want me to stay active and up. and doing what I can to spread her message and hope that we can find this suspect or suspects. And that's how I feel. I get it. I get it. She's got a great smile. We keep showing that picture. Um, I know 
your family's been frustrated with the investigation so far, understandably so. Here we are a week and a half out and really not much information about this does not appear to be a suspect. Uh, tell me, uh, Olivia, what, what specifically you've been frustrated with because you, you did your own work here, for instance. You, you found video of the food truck, for example, uh, where, where two of the victims were seen the same night as this killing. Yeah, I would say, I think that obviously this is extremely personal for us and we treated it that way from the very get-go. Um, I know how valuable those first 48, 72 hours are. Um, and I can only hope that the police also know how valuable that is and that they have a lot of information there that just isn't public right now. Um, I will say the one lingering frustration I have is the timeline. Um, I know it's semantics, but my sisters got home at 156. It wasn't 145. I know it might not seem significant, but when we're looking for camera, when we're looking for dash footage, when we're looking for any of those things, I do feel that it is valuable, and they did get home at 156. It was not 145. Right. Well, there's, there's one detail there. Uh, Kaylee's mother has said she believes that the suspect, the killer, is someone Kaylee knew very well, and that the killer might even be at the vigil. Uh, remarkable. I wonder, Steve, do, do you share that view? Um, it's speculation. Uh, my daughter was very popular. It seemed like everyone that I talked to said she knew everyone. Um, they had parties. They were college kids. They were about to graduate. Yeah. So that somebody could have partied in the house and got an idea or got the confidence to pull that off. <clears throat> Steve, this question of a stalker, and, I, and I'm very conscious with this story of how many rumors have been circulating, and a lot of those t rumors turn out to not be true, but Stephen, this, this discussion of the possibility she may have had a stalker, have police been able to stand that up, or not? They, they seem to be knocking that down? Yeah, it seems to be knocked down. Um, obviously, any of that information would be new to us as well. Kaylee FaceTimed me. She didn't call or text. She FaceTimed me for literally hours, almost every single day. And she was extremely cautious. She was very vigilant. Um, I think that she really would have noticed something and she, she would have said it to us. She wasn't, you know, scared to get us involved in her life in any capacity like that. I know you're frustrated with how much and how information developments in the investigation are being shared with the public. Are they sharing anything with you that they're not sharing publicly in light of the fact that this was your this was your sister this was your this was your daughter i'm not getting anything they're not sharing much with me i know that there's a separation in duties there they do have the fbi now so i don't know how much the individuals that i'm talking with which are the local are actually exercising their different jurisdictions i think they might not know a lot because mm -hmm. You know, they have briefings, and if they haven't had a briefing, they probably don't know exactly what's going on. I'm going to leave it right there. I'd like to thank you for joining me. I really want to thank you for that. I'm going to be back tomorrow, and we're going to look at that other psychic. His name is Todd Siegel. Yep, Todd Siegel. I'm going to go over him he has to say, I'm going to look at that tonight. The article's going to be out later tonight at midnightrad.io. Call me if you have a wild-ass theory or wild, crazy speculation. Don't call the police with that. They want tips. They don't want speculations. They want to know about what you heard and saw. I'll take speculations as we think about this together. 
We marinate on it, stew on it. Try to find reason. Maybe something can come from this. 325-261-0892. Leave up to a five-minute, I'm sorry, three-minute voicemail message. You can email me at midnightrad.io. 101 at gmail.com midnightrad.io 101 at gmail.com please subscribe if you're listening to this you listen all the way through go ahead and subscribe there's a like button please like it that helps out a lot it really does it keeps us going hit please hit subscribe and uh, for those of you that haven't yet go ahead and do that appreciate it so much until next time all my best